three questions, a $10,000 launch, and the curious case of 8,516 Warners. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Normally on the show, I've got an amazing guest for you and we're breaking down the tactics that made their side hustle successful. But today I want to take a minute to give you a look at what's been going on in my business, the business of Side Hustle Nation for the first half of the year. These are the projects and experiments that I've been working on so far this year. Some have worked well, some not so well, but just a little inside baseball this week on what it's like running a 10-year-old online media business. In fact, it was in May that the website and podcast hit that 10-year anniversary, which is just crazy to think about. And even more fun is that I know a lot of you have been along for that journey almost the entire time. You've gotten to see the evolution of the show firsthand. The question people have been asking me lately is, are you going to do that for another 10 years? Do you have another 500 episodes in the tank? How long do you keep this going? And my answer has historically been, as long as it's fun and rewarding, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. And thankfully, it's still checking those boxes. But it is something that I think about, like, how could I evolve the business so it's less reliant on me showing up and getting behind the mic every Thursday? Because my theory is that you care more about the content than you do about me. Somebody else could show up and ask these questions as well, or probably better than I could. But then I think, man, you'd be crazy to give this up. This is the best job in the world to have the schedule flexibility and the lifestyle freedom and the cash flow. It's, it would be pretty tough to walk away from. And then of course, I'd have to answer the even harder question. Well, what next? I think it's better to retire to something than to retire from something. And I don't know if I've got a good answer for that or what I would rather be doing than sharing creative ways to make extra money. It's the best. Now, that said, the door is still open to testing out a co-host relationship. If you or someone you know has a curious mind, maybe they've got some side hustle experience and you know bonus points if they've got some podcast experience, let's get in touch. We'll have that conversation. But let's take it back to January. I didn't do any New Year's resolutions, as I haven't for many, many years, but instead set an intention to install a couple new small daily habits, habits that science says can have a meaningful impact on your happiness and well-being. The first one was to walk a mile a day. And I'll admit it's super helpful that my son's elementary school is about a half a mile away. So if I go there and back at least once in the morning or in the afternoon, I can check that one off. That hasn't happened every single day, especially with summer break going on. But I would say probably happened most days. And it's felt great to get far more steps in than I was getting before. The second new habit installation was to renew a nightly I done this and gratitude journal habit. This has been an on again, off again habit of mine for years, but one that truthfully was mostly off lately. And so the three questions I try and answer every night are what did I get done today? What am I grateful for? And how am I going to win tomorrow? This allows me to celebrate and acknowledge the day's work, hey, no matter how small. Sometimes it's like, hey, I, I cut the grass. Sometimes it's work-related. But what did I get done today? Mark down that feeling of positive progress. Number two is practicing gratitude. And it's funny, I find myself noticing more and more small moments to be thankful for. And I think it's practicing that gratitude muscle. And then finally, it's that idea of winning tomorrow today, which was a line from an old interview that we did with John Lee Dumas. And I think he borrowed it from his time in the army. 
Like, how are we going to win tomorrow today? Failure to plan is planning to fail, all that stuff. Let me itemize out my biggest priorities for the next day, the night before, so I know exactly what to work on and in what order when the time comes. So I'm starting my day in proactive mode instead of reactive mode. And because it only takes a few minutes, haven't missed a day all year. I actually found I really look forward to this kind of nightly journaling habit after putting the kids to bed. It's a way to clear my own head before kind of shutting down for the night. And it's a light and simple habit that has won over heavy and complex. For the first several months, what does this look like in practice? I was just doing this in a blank notebook. And, you know, in years past, I've experimented with apps on the phone and an email prompt that would come every night. But I think there's something to putting actually a pen to paper for this stuff. And then I thought, well, shoot, Side Hustle Nation can benefit from this habit as well. So in May, I created the three-question journal. It asks those three questions every day. What did I get done today? What am I grateful for? How will I win tomorrow? So all you got to do is fill in the blanks to make positive progress and gratitude a habit. That is at 3qjournal.com is where you can check it out. I've got it priced, at least for the time being, as low as Amazon will let me or almost as low as Amazon will let me. So I don't expect this to be a huge moneymaker. I'm at $17.18 in royalties so far. But my hope is that people can grab a copy and build the same simple daily habit because it's really become a part of my day that I look forward to brain dump what happened, get it out of your head, appreciate the good things that happened, and make a note of what's important tomorrow. So again, you can start your day in proactive mode versus reactive mode. Again, 3qjournal.com. I think you'll like it. And quick side note here, this is actually my second journal project. The first one was the Progress Journal in 2018, progressjournal.net for that one. And that one is still great for short-term project-based sprints. It's organized into these four-week time blocks, and you write down your most specific goal for that time, and you track your progress toward that goal over that four-week time block. But for sustained daily use, I found that structure was a bit too rigid, which is why I've been happier with the three-question journal as my new kind of daily driver for, for that kind of thing. Again, so that's the three-question journal, 3qjournal.com is where we'll be able to get it at the lowest price ever launch price there. The next project was creating a podcast playlist quiz, and you may have heard me plug this on the show. For full disclosure, I completely stole this from Shannon Weinstein, who I interviewed for the show in February. She hosts the Keep What You Earn podcast, and she described driving email signups through this clever little playlist generator quiz. And I think I even said on air, I'm totally stealing this. And the funny thing was, I'd already bought a license to the exact same quiz software she was using. It's called Interact, tryinteract.com is where you can find it. I'd bought it on Black Friday, and I'd added a separate kind of choose your own side hustle or find out what side hustle is best for you type of quiz. I added that to the homepage of the site. So I put this playlist together quiz in Interact. And there's a few short multiple choice questions. And then the results are six different playlists that it'll recommend based on your responses. And those playlists are built in Spotify, if you're wondering like technically how that gets done. And it's super encouraging to see a really nice distribution among the results, like no piece of the pie is better than you know, 24, 25%. So and in terms of results that the quiz has generated so far, 4,500 people have started it, gone to the landing page, which is hustle.show, if you want to go uh, check it out. Of those, 3,300 have completed the quiz, 
and 2,500 have signed up for the email list through that quiz. So how that part works is at the end, it'll ask for an email if you want to see your quiz results, and then I can send them to your inbox. So you just have it on file. But if you don't want to enter your email, there's a little link that says, you know, just, just show me the results. It'll tell you which playlist is recommended. And I think in Interact, if you want to set this up for your own business, I think there's a checkbox. You can say, make that, make that required or make that not required. I'm like, well, I would love to collect emails. Like I want to encourage that, but also love if people just wanted to listen to the show too, that would be fine. So we'll have that as an option there. So 2,500 opt-ins, that's a great result from that little experiment. And maybe even more important is hopefully it gets listeners deeper into the content. If you listen to one episode, great, happy to have you. But if you listen to five or 10, now the Side Hustle Show becomes a bigger part of your life. You're more likely to recommend it to a friend. We start to build a deeper relationship. So back to the podcast playlist quiz that's built through Interact. Interact integrates directly with ActiveCampaign, my email service provider. So those quiz opt-ins get sent directly over there. They're added to the list in that way. But in March, I was about ready to jump ship from ActiveCampaign and start the painful migration process to another email service. And I say painful because the tentacles are wrapped around me pretty tight at this point. I've been with ActiveCampaign since 2017, and we've got hundreds of opt-in forms and probably a dozen different automation sequences and integration with several other tools. In addition to Interact, it would be a ton of work to migrate all that to another service. And these software companies know that. They know the switching costs can be pretty high. So what happened, citing inflation over the winter, they moved to make a pretty steep price increase. And this is less than three months after my account hit a new subscriber tier threshold in December. We crossed over the 100,000 subscriber mark. So my email costs would have essentially doubled in three months. And it was already my biggest monthly expense before any of that. So I'm not super happy with Active Campaign at this point. I try and reach out. I say, look, I've been a customer for years. I've been an advocate for you guys. And we ultimately settle on this prepaid annual plan at a slight discount over what they'd originally proposed, because again, it would take weeks of work to unravel and switch everything over. And then I'd have the learning curve of a new software tool too. So I decide this prepaid annual plan is going to be the best option. It's the devil, you know, in a way. So I pay the invoice in the morning. It's like six or $7,000, probably the biggest single one-time expense in the history of the business. And a few hours later, I get a note from somebody who's requested their personalized playlist and they're like, hey, dude, this email came through blank. And I said, well, shoot, that's weird. Let me see what's going on. So it turns out not only did they jack up rates, they removed features. In my case, it was the conditional content blocks that I was using to deliver the specific playlist results from the quiz. This is a really cool feature. I use it quite often where, you know, if the tag such and such exists, display this text or this link in the email and, you know, vice versa. If it doesn't, if it if that tag doesn't exist, don't show them that. And so we use this all the time. I'm normally pretty chill. I was so hot. <laughs> I was like shaking. I just paid you $7,000 and you returned the favor by breaking my automations and the smugness, oh my gosh, of the live chat rep and her copy and paste canned responses. I wanted to jump through the screen. Oh, sorry, that's no longer available on your calendar. There probably wasn't even a sorry in there. It was just, sorry, that's, that's no longer available. That feature is no longer available on your account level. Thankfully, a couple hours later, deep breaths, Andrew 
in customer support. Give this man a raise. He comes through in the clutch. He re-adds that feature to my account. Very likely saved a customer. I was ready to drop everything and find another provider. <laughs> it was kind of a dark moment for me. Oh, the other weird thing related to email this spring. So I, you know, occasionally I'll log in and look at the growth of the account. How many new subscribers are signing up? That kind of thing. And a typical day is between 100 and 200 new signups. Great. But every now and again, I would see these spikes to 600 or 800 new subscribers in a single day. And I'd be like, dang, maybe I'm just a marketing genius. Maybe there was a press feature or something I didn't know about that hit. I go viral. Did somebody share my link? I don't know what happened. But digging a little deeper, I discovered they were all from one lead magnet, from one opt-in form. It was the newsletter niches lead magnet that I had created for the episode with Daniel this year Corbett from Grants for Creators. Awesome episode, 544 in your podcast feed, how she started and grew this paid newsletter. She was at, I think, 1300 bucks a month at that point in a little under a year. That episode, episode 544 again, over 50,000 downloads, done pretty well, done pretty well on YouTube as well. So I assumed, I guess a lot of people want to start a paid newsletter. Like, hey, that's a hot new side hustle. Sure. I attempted to correlate those spikes in subscribers with increased traffic to her show notes page on those dates, but didn't really see anything out of the ordinary in the analytics, which maybe should have been a red flag. But I was like, okay, fine, you know, on to the next thing. A few weeks later, I was testing a different email integration, this time trying to make make sure teachable students were getting added to active campaign. And I noticed something a little weird. Those teachable students were getting added, but in between each enrollment, like interspersed by mere seconds, it turned out several completely unrelated to the teachable thing. Several other subscribers were getting added too. And it was all from that newsletter niches opt-in. I was like, man, is this thing going viral again? But then I noticed like, okay, every single one of them has a Yahoo email address and every single one of them has the first name Warner. So (laughs) now I'm like really confused and scared. Like what's going on? So uh, come to find out that over the course of a couple months, 8,516 Warners had joined my list, all with Yahoo email addresses, very clearly some sort of spam trap hacked email. Not one of them ever in, ever opened a single message. No idea really what the end game is of dumping a bunch of fake subscribers onto somebody's list, except maybe to hurt long-term deliverability. No idea. Was able to get them all deleted. And then I added one of those annoying captcha forms to that specific form on the grants for creators show notes page to prevent future warners from getting through. And in any case, super weird and equally weird. I thought that that kind of behavior didn't trigger some sort of alert from active campaign itself. But since deleting them, at least when rates have improved, well, I got 8,500 dead subscribers off the list. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. And one more thing on the email front, and then I can share what's been going on on the blog, website, podcast side of the business, along with some upcoming projects. So earlier this year, I was rereading the book From Six to Seven Figures by Austin Netsley. Austin's a longtime friend of mine. It's a great book about systems and scaling your business, especially removing yourself as the business owner from being the bottleneck and transitioning into being more of a leader slash manager. I didn't even make it through more than a few chapters this time because I came across a line from you know one of Austin's homework summaries at the end of a chapter. He asked, look, what's the simplest and most direct path? And the answer was obvious. The answer hit me. It was selling more products and services to the existing audience. How can I better serve the listeners of this show, the readers of the website, the members of the Facebook community, the subscribers of the email list? Growing traffic, growing listenership, that's great. Those are important things. But the simplest and most direct path was not those things. It was doing a better job helping the existing audience reach their goals. So in practice, what's that looked like so far? It's looked like sending more emails. And specifically, I'm calling them one-off campaigns. Sometimes it's a single message. Sometimes it's a series of emails over the course of a week, but it's an attempt to present relevant, timely, and hopefully helpful content and offers over email. Some marketers say, hey, you got to send an email every day. I say that's overkill, but there's probably a happy medium where as long as you're providing value, I think you could probably send more often than you are because consider the average person is receiving anywhere from 70 to 150 emails a day. You're a tiny fraction of their inbox. But you know, what about unsubscribes? That's always been the fear of mine. Or I think, I, you know, I'm going to be annoying. They're going to unsubscribe forever. So I want to tell you the story of Mr. Sketchmarkers. I'm pretty sure they still make these. But if you're not a child of the 80s, these are the scented markers that come in a beautiful 12-color rainbow set. In my case, a little styrofoam backing case. The light green and the light blue probably the best smelling ones. Uh, you can fight me on this. Maybe pink too was pretty good. But they're the markers where you get more on your nose from smelling them than on the paper. No permanent brain damage, I swear. So friends have these. Maybe they have them at school. I want a set for home. Finally get the set. I'm probably six or seven at this time. Can't use them. Don't want to draw anything with them. Why? Because if I use them, 
they're going to run out of ink. This is little six-year-old Nick neuroses. Never mind that that's the whole point of having markers. An email list is the same way. What's the point of having it if you're not going to send emails? Especially if Active Campaign is going to charge you 7,000 bucks, whether or not you hit send. And to be clear, they're not going to charge you 7,000 bucks if you're just starting out. So I try and remember the story of my unused Mr. Sketch markers as it relates to email. Some of the ink might dry out. Some people might unsubscribe. That's okay. That's what it's for. So starting in March, I've done six, seven of these one-off campaigns so far. Just to give you a few examples of what those have been in practice. I think the first one was for a business credit card. So I sent some content on, hey, who might qualify for a business credit card? Here's why it's important to have a business credit card so you can separate your personal and business finances. Oh, and by the way, here's a limited time offer on a big sign-up bonus for a specific card. We did a promo for ShareTown. ShareTown is the reverse logistics company that matches you up with local furniture and mattress returns from direct-to-consumer brands. You turn around and resell those on Facebook Marketplace or wherever else, and you profit on the spread. And the cool thing is, hey, I don't have to pay for this inventory until after it sells. So I had just interviewed a ShareTown rep who turned that into a full-time income stream. So it was an opportunity to promote that video and my review of ShareTown. I think we did a promo for the podcast Growth Playbook after the show hit the 25 million download threshold. Like, hey, this is an excuse. This milestone is an excuse to celebrate a little bit and to throw a limited time sale on the podcast growth playbook course. I've sent out emails for my review of Fundrise. Hey, this is my commercial real estate side hustle. Ryan Levesque had a series of workshops on how service entrepreneurs can transition to more time leveraged business models. So kind of a mix of affiliate promotions and my own products and content on the website stuff like that. That's what I'm considering for those one-off email promotions. The biggest one was the BC Stack annual bundle sale promotion. I'll get to that in a moment. And what's cool is a couple of these, the ones that are evergreen, I'm able to add those to the welcome sequence. So new subscribers automatically going to get those dripped out to them after they join. Now, I don't have one of these lined up every week, but the ones I've done so far have been pretty well received. So going forward, probably you'll see one to two a month of these and you know we'll adjust course we'll evaluate we'll see how those perform now the question is what's the cost in terms of unsubscribes because every time i hit send around 0.15% of people choose to unsubscribe that's one in 660 people if my math is correct on that and What's interesting is that that rate is pretty much the same as my regular newsletter broadcasts. So it's not like, you know, you see a big spike for sending a a random email on a Tuesday. It's a self-selecting thing. It's just part of the business. In fact, you'd probably rather have somebody unsubscribe than sit dormant on your list and never open anything like, you know, 8,500 warners, as that might hurt your deliverability long term. Now, one thing that I did do for the campaigns that weren't just a one-off email, but it was going to be a series, you know, I'm going to send two or three, kind of have this mapped out. I wanted to give people the option to opt out of just that promotion. So I spun up a quick landing page in lead pages. It's it's a picture of me. It says something like, it's cool. I still like you. And when people click on that message and the link says, hey, if this isn't relevant to you or if this isn't the timing isn't right, whatever, you know, click here. I won't message you about it again. That way they get tagged in the system to be excluded from future emails about it. But let's talk about the BC stack. This is blogging concentrated. This was third week of June, and this was the most successful of the one-off email campaigns by a pretty wide margin. 
It earned a little over $10,000 over the course of the week. BC Stack is this annual bundle sale of digital products related to growing an online business. This was year three or four for me as a customer. It was, I think, year three for me as an affiliate, and it was my second year as a product contributor. The theme of this year was traffic, and I tried something I'd never done before. So I've got my full traffic course at thetrafficcourse.com, but I didn't want to discount it that much. So BC Stack is a flat $49. And I didn't think that price, I didn't think it would be fair to the traffic course students who paid full price. So uh, to include that. So what I did instead was what's known as unbundling. I pulled out one of the modules, specifically the section on updating and refreshing existing content on your site. It's the exact methodology that I used to breathe new life into archive blog content. That's still relevant. It's still evergreen. It just might have slipped a little bit in the ranks. Super effective, super fast to implement. And in most cases, a much better return on time than creating new content from scratch. I called it easy content makeover and split it out into its own course on Teachable. From there, it was actually a really similar email and launch strategy compared with the year before when I used the BC stack to launch my podcast growth course. That was the first promo for it. And the messaging was, hey, I got this new product. I don't have any testimonials for it. But for a limited time, not only can you get it for half off, but you can also get 60 other products related to growing an online business. It's an effort to gather testimonials, all that jazz. So that, again, podcast growth playbook is podplaybook.co. If you want to check it out, it covers how I grew the side hustle show from zero to over 25 million downloads. But because of that, because I'd had those emails sent out last year, I was able to adapt a lot of those messages from the previous year, which felt pretty smart to me because it was also the same week that school let out and it's first week of summer break, so lots of stuff going on. And on top of that promotion or that email promotion being successful as an affiliate, it's added over 400 new email subscribers to the list as well. And hopefully those email subscribers turn into podcast listeners too. So those are the primary benefits of participating in a bundle sale. I know we've covered this before, but I think it's a really interesting promotional method that you either might be able to organize one in your own niche and be like the leader, the de facto organizer of it, or you might be able to take part in one if one already exists. So basically how it works, you find 10, 20, 30 plus authority figures in a given niche. They all donate a digital product of theirs to the bundle, and then everyone promotes it all at once for a steep discount for a limited time. Buyers get access to all the products for a low price. I bought several of these over the years. It's like a low cost sampler platter to a bunch of different creators. I, I don't know. I like these things. Let me get a bunch of different opinions and strategies from, because you know, I, I don't claim to know everything. But when the buyers go to claim those products, they join that product creator's email list. And then some creators have upsells and add-ons that you can buy too. Now, as the organizer, you pay out affiliate commissions to everybody who promotes it, typically 50%, since it's a digital product with 100% margin. But the other 50% is yours to keep for your trouble in organizing the wholesale. Except in the case of BC Stack, it seems that Dan and Rachel, the organizers, they seem to plow all their earnings back into affiliate bonuses. I'm not entirely sure how it works. They just seem like great people who are really built on the long-term building up of this community. That's typically how it would work. So as a contributor, it's a way to grow your email list with exposure to new audiences, earn affiliate commissions, and in my case, hopefully gather some positive testimonials for a new evergreen product, easy content makeover in that case. 
Let me switch gears and talk about the blog business for a little bit. So this year so far, I've published 17 new articles with SEO intent, and that includes a few of the show notes pages from the podcast, but not all of them. Some of them are just straight up case studies. I don't expect them to ever rank in search. Those 17 articles have resulted in a combined 10,000 visits and an estimated $300 in affiliate value, affiliate commissions over the last 30 days. That's based on historical earnings per click data. So it's just an estimate. And truthfully, it's not amazing results, especially on the monetary side. An estimated three cents per visitor is not anything to write home about. But there has been an important realization on the blog side of the business. And that's that the site can rank really quickly for just about any long tail term that includes the phrase side hustle or side hustle. Say it's been around for 10 years, got lots of authority in this space. So partially inspired by Shelley Marmer last month, I'm prioritizing building out those types of articles. And we've been doing this without any coherent strategy for a few years, really. But examples from this year include side hustles for medical students, side hustles for engineers, side hustles for accountants, the best summer side hustles. They're pretty easy and fast to put together. And individually, they don't get a ton of traffic. But collectively, it does add up. So I've got several more of those to draft and post. And then the next phase of that would be to step up to the next tier of search volume, like some higher search volume, higher and and more competitive side hustle related terms and see what happens there. Those would be keywords like online side hustles, side hustles from home, easy side hustles, more search volume around those, but also stiffer competition. And really, here's something I think is really kind of the secret sauce. So in the case of all of those keywords, I think the library of podcast content is my secret ingredient. I've got all this firsthand source material that I can reference, that I can cite in the posts. Every site in the top 10 is pretty much mentioning more or less the same ideas, but only Site Hustle Nation has got the real life examples to back up those ideas. I know the latest and greatest thing is all the AI tools as it relates to blogging. I actually bought a course on the topic, uh, how to train chat GPT to write in your voice. And It can honestly be pretty impressive. Like, dang, that's not bad. But for these types of listicles, it's not quite the format that lends itself well to using AI. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I haven't really cracked the code of like, oh, you know, now I have an AI article in 20 minutes. But what they are helpful for are for filling in the gaps. Similar how I used to use phrase, F-R-A-S-E, to figure out what topics are the highest ranking posts already including in their articles. So I want to make sure to cover those as well. So That's super helpful to ask the AI, hey, what did I miss? What do you suggest for somebody who's looking for this in that way? Oh, I didn't I didn't think of that. Okay, so I can add that in really quickly versus going through all those search results individually. Beyond the new articles, a lot of the blogging time goes to keeping older content up to date and ranking well. And really it's following the framework that I talked about in easy content makeover. Once you got something ranking, gotta make sure it sticks. So those are the main projects so far this year. The three-question journal, creating the playlist quiz, adding some one-off email promotions, keeping the blog up to date, and of course, keeping the show going. Oh, on the podcast front, a couple things. Missed this. A couple things that you might have noticed. First has been resurfacing some long-lost episodes from deep in the archives, some of my favorite deep album tracks. These are great hand-selected vintage episodes from, let's say, 2015 to 2021, let's say that are still as relevant today as they were when they were originally recorded and released. And the idea here is to expose those to new listeners, since the audience is a lot 
bigger now than it was back then. Plus, listeners graduate out of the show. Hey, my side hustle is now my thing. Or I found my idea. I don't need to listen every week. And I don't expect everyone to have gone back and binged from the very beginning. So I've done five of these so far. And after going 500 straight episodes, nine years, 500 episodes with no reruns, not like it's a contest, but it kind of is. Plus, it eases it eases the production workload a little bit. And one thing that's interesting is the download performance is pretty similar to the new release episodes. So that's something I'll probably continue to do maybe on a one time per month cadence. The second thing has been testing some dynamic ad insertion. This is mostly in the spring. And what I've found so far is that the CPM or the revenue per thousand downloads was pretty low, maybe a little lower than I was expecting. I might mess around with this a little bit more, probably on the back catalog or, you know, after episodes have reached a certain download threshold, because the industry is very much shifting toward dynamic ads. But I've still got a lot to learn on the technology and placement front. And I mean, I also don't really want to subject you to more ads if they're not particularly helpful or relevant or worthwhile. So that's what's new on the podcasting side of things. On uh, the personal front, we're coming up on two years in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. It's been great being back after 16 years away, in my case. Of course, we miss our California family. We miss our adopted hometown of Livermore, the California sunshine. But we've also made a bunch of new friends in the neighborhood. It's the little slice of suburbia that Brent and I envisioned, you know, five years ago at the encouragement of Jamie Masters and Brian Scudamore. They both said, hey, I need you to write down your five-year painted picture vision. And we're pretty close to living it at this point. It's really cool. So when we moved into the house, though, there was a lot of 1991 original, like these orange oak cabinets, the Formica counters, the paper-thin carpet and pad, I think was original from 30 years ago, the walls that were oddly pink in a certain light. So this spring, we were able to remodel the kitchen and pretty much the whole downstairs. New floors, new cabinets, new countertops, new paint, knock down a worthless little wall, really open it up. And by we, to be clear, I mean the contractors, but it looks great. We're super happy to be done with it. It took so much time and mental energy in the planning phase and the building phase and being out of the house and getting your routines thrown for a loop for a while. So I totally get why people procrastinate on getting that done. Kind of painful, kind of expensive, but happy to have gotten it done because we hope to be here for a lot of years. It would always bum me out when you know, you'd see people do this full gut remodel and then list the house for sale. It's like, well, you didn't get to enjoy it. So happy to have that done. And, and again, hope to be here for a long time. Other personal stuff, our oldest just finished first grade. Our youngest is going to be joining him at the same school in the fall, starting kindergarten. Definitely looking forward to having a single point of drop-off, same schedule, riding bikes with them to and from school each day. It's awesome to have a schedule that allows that. It's the same schedule that allowed for a couple dozen days of skiing this past winter and to take the foot off the gas a bit over the summer. I mean, we wait all year for the sun to come out up in the Northwest, so we might as well enjoy it, right? So what's on the horizon? I've got one project I'm really excited to ship, and that's an all-new children's book. My younger son created this character, almost an imaginary friend, Rita the cheetah cub, who is vegetarian, except that she eats fish and glitter toast. I guess she's a pescatarian. <laughs> and the best part is her mom is a tiger. You can't make this stuff up. So I wrote this rhyming story about Rita the cheetah, which I thought was going to be the hard part. It was a ton of fun coming up with the plot and counting syllables for each stanza and trying to maintain a certain rhythm. But once I finished, I realized 
okay, that was the easy part. Now I got to figure out how to get it illustrated. That's proving to be a bigger challenge. Actually started playing around with Midjourney because I think, well, shoot, this is a good excuse to try and learn about AI images, but having a hard time getting characters to look consistent, get them in the poses they need to be in on each page, storyboard the whole thing out. So we've got the feelers out to a few illustrators as well. So hopefully with some help, we can make Rita the Cheetah a reality. Other than that, working on those long tail blog articles, like I mentioned, the Side Hustle Nation website itself was last redesigned in 2017. So long overdue for a refresh. I mean, the to-do list is always longer than there are hours in the day. And I think that's a blessing to always have fun stuff to work on. Really appreciate you tuning in and indulging this kind of inside baseball, personal and business update. If you're new to the show, know that most episodes aren't like this. It's normally an amazing guest sharing behind the scenes of their successful side hustle. But what you can do is build yourself a personalized side hustle show playlist of the episodes and topics that are going to be most impactful for you. All you got to do is go to hustle that show, answer a few short multiple choice questions, and your custom curated playlist will pop right up. That's hustle.show. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, make sure to text it to a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet the guy who built a multi-six-figure online business in just a couple years, starting as a side hustle. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Hustle on.